Ladies, gentlemen, random listeners, accidental downloaders, worry not, you are in safe hands and indeed very welcome to another exciting episode of the Madam's Cast. And what an exciting episode I have for you this month. I have a very exciting guest uh, who I'm I'm mostly excited about this because uh, I'm, I'm turning into a little bit of a fan of this gentleman and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to chat to him uh, some more. I don't know if you out there listening are followers on Instagram and if you are, you probably uh, have found me there and this guy's out there too and he is well worth a chat. You won't be surprised to find that he's a foodie uh, and I'm really hoping that we're not surprised to find he isn't there. Tom Bateman, are you there? Hello, Tim. I am here. <laughs> and where is there, apart from the end of the ethereal digital world that is the internet? Here, where I sit right now, is Cheddleton, which is in North Staffordshire. Not a million miles from Stoke-on-Trent, um, quite close to Alton Towers, which is one of our little byproduct uh, selling points that you can go and ride the Nemesis as well as having a lovely meal. <laughs> Well, that, that's uh, probably better to do that after the Nemesis, is it? Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, after eight courses, you probably you, you want to give that a little rest before plunging into the abyss of the oblivion. I would say so. Yeah, maybe come to us first. No, sorry, after you've been. Yeah, definitely after. I'm coming Towers, after. Yeah. Well, in fact, after. Yeah, yeah. I might just skip Alton Towers altogether and just come for lunch. Is that okay as well? Yeah, yeah, to- totally fine. Uh, theme park attendance is not a requirement to dine at the <laughs> Oh, so you're bunny. Hang on a minute. So you've given us a little clue there already, Tom. You say eight courses. Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit uh, about the menu. I mean, I, I, I do I know North Staffordshire? Okay, so I've got friends at Tutbury, which is kind of Derbyshire border, is it? I guess near Barton mm-hmm. underneath Wood. And then if I'm heading north, back home to Scotland from them, I'm more or less going past you or not? You'd have to come across the A50, so you'd have to come what would be west towards us. But it's not a million miles away. Um, Okay, okay. Probably less than an hour. Brilliant. Right, well, the next time I'm I'm doing that drive, I'm coming coming to see you because... I feel like we're narrowing down your your excuses. We're narrowing them down, so you've got to come now. I have to, I have to, yeah, <laughs> it's a definite, well, look, you know, I, now I, I'm quite a fan of, of going for lunch, so that's not a problem for me. Um, okay, so eight, eight courses, right, so tell me about the menu, and this is going to become clear for people a bit later on, because we're going to find out a little bit about you as we go along, but the thing that really attracted me to you, and I'm sorry for those of you out there who aren't on Instagram, but this, you know, Tom's my, my he's my current foodie excitement on Insta, because I've been watching his stuff, and he does something called Reels, and if you're not on Insta, that's just a short video, that's Insta speak for short video. And the short videos of everything, like simple home-cooked recipes, I love it, because it just, if you wanna elevate your basic home cookery a little bit, get a new technique, learn a new sauce, Tom's almost certainly got a video out there of it, and it's gonna take you 40 seconds to get a good overview of it and smash it out for yourself. So um, so that doesn't necessarily match neatly with the idea of an eight course tasting menu, Tom. So what's this juxtaposition? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, this. sometimes people can't quite wrap the, the minds around the idea that uh, essentially a fine dining chef would put out 
home cooking videos for the the everyday person but that that is exactly what it's for because if you were going to learn from anyone surely you would learn from someone who does it every day right that's that's yeah. kind of the kind of the thing and also on the flip side of that there wouldn't be much point to me doing sort of full fancy dancy tasting course menu videos because no one would ever make them so um, yeah. the whole point of the videos is that people can actually recreate them at home or even just pick out something that they like about that and use it somewhere else just so it's familiar and hopefully helps to improve their cooking at home even if it's marginally i've done done what it's there to do brilliant absolutely fantastic great answer too i used to get a bit fed up i used to do a lot of food demonstrations at um at overgrown village fates so i don't do so much of that anymore but <laughs> um i i used to really enjoy it but i did used to get quite frustrated it was definitely demonstrators fall into two camps those who want to teach people something that they can take away enhance their lives with and those who want to show off about the restaurants which is absolutely yeah. fine both both are good raison d'etres for, for for doing a chef demo um i guess uh, i guess i'm probably drawn towards one camp more than the other but i've got i've got massively ahead of myself i think it's because um i think it's because i'm so excited to be talking to you uh, but you i need to go back i need to go backwards a little bit Tom, we need an introduction from you. I need to know, we don't need to know where you were born and what time and all of that stuff and when you grazed your knee falling off your skateboard in year nine. But what I do need to know is a little potted history of how you've ended up running this place. Did you say it was in Cheddleton? I did, yeah. Cheddleton, which is North Staffordshire, just outside of Leek. Um, and it's, it's a really sort of, of... It's called the Flintlock at Cheddleton. So that's how you'd find us. Um, and it sits right next to the canal, which is rather lovely, especially when the sun's shining. Um, so yeah, it's, <coughs> excuse me. No, so yeah, okay. sort of rural North Staffordshire, just on the edge of the Peak District as well. So surrounded by lots of sort of um, great pasture and things like that, which is obviously very encouraging for someone who's got a restaurant. But um, so yeah, the, the, the tale of how I got to where we are now is, is quite sort of back to front, really. I started in the same building that we sit in now as a 17-year-old who knew not a great deal with what 17-year-old does, but then I was, I was thrown... <laughs> <laughs> thrown into a into a kitchen role which I really enjoyed to start with but then it was just cooking it wasn't chefing that if that sort of lands in the right kind of area mm -hmm. of what I'm trying to mm -hmm. describe where it was a Latin American restaurant of a decent standard but you know making fajitas and and, and things like that is, is a wonderful thing but not necessarily for an 18 year old chef who's who's trying to learn his trade so yeah um so I did that for six years. Um, I was made head chef, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when I was when I was eighteen. So quite a, a baptism of uh, fajita led fire, and um, <laughs> I did that until I was twenty three, and then I decided that it was it wasn't wasn't the right time for me to be doing what I was doing. I didn't have the greatest mental mental health at that point. I needed to sort of take a break from the industry, go and learn more about the world, learn about myself, I think, before ultimately coming back. So I went and had a short break of just 10 years um, in, a, in a completely different environment, commercial environment in agriculture, um, which was fantastic. And I got to travel around Europe doing that, which was which was wonderful and learned a lot about the working world. And then sort of, when would we be? It would be 2019, the opportunity arose to come and take on 
the restaurant that I started it. So we had a chat between the family, um, wife and then very young daughter, and she didn't obviously contribute very much to that conversation, but she was there <laughs> in spirit. And, and we said, yeah, let's do it, let's go for it. So we wrote my mum in as well, who's, who's the general manager here, and, and set about creating the Flintlock. And then um, I got the keys uh, seven days before the first COVID lockdown. So that was ideal. <laughs> yeah, yeah but... I mean, perfect, especially yeah. given that all of the help from the government was based on, you know, how your previous couple of years had gone. And... Uh -huh. Uh, and all of that stuff. Okay, so I can see that's a bit of a nightmare. I think we all had a, everyone had a bit of a bumpy time in hospitality, mm. uh, regardless of their peripheral attachment to it at that time. But having just taken a punt on a new place, mm. um, that 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 took some some mental solidarity to get past. How did you how did you cope with that? Um, it was tricky. It like I can't I can't lie. There was benefits because it saved me a fortune in money. It didn't save me a fortune in time and um, energy <laughs> because mm. I essentially um, did the renovations myself with some help from my dad when he was he was not shielding when he was supposed to be. Um, but we kept a good social distance, so that was fine. And um, we basically did everything ourselves. I'd, I slept on the floor of the restaurant three nights a week because I was still living in Yorkshire at that point. Um, and with a combination of grit, determination and YouTube video tutorials, I managed to um, renovate the place ready to go for opening in the September. So albeit a very tough, period for me personally in terms of time away from family mm -hmm. uncertainty of what I was about to set upon because it's my first solo venture as well um yeah we it was a very it was <laughs> blood sweat and tears very literal I think in in terms of the flintlock beginnings but then we will never ever take it for granted because of that so yeah yeah yeah. Oh, well, I mean, bravo to that. I mean, that, the, the fascinating thing about this chat already is that I'm learning, learning stuff that isn't necessarily obvious from, uh, from, from your sort of public facing uh, business. So, okay. All right. So fast forward to that September and you got the doors open. I mean, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was an incredibly exciting time. It was sort of a, a tidal wave of, well, opening a new restaurant's the tidal wave of emotion for anyone, but especially given what we'd we'd gone through and, and the last minute sort of checks and problems. And I always try and keep them in mind inwardly. I don't say it outwardly very often, but there'll be one more disaster and you just, just try and cope with that. <laughs> and the day before... <laughs> The day before we opened, we had a massive pane of glass, which was bespoke with a, a logo in, embossed on it, smashed. Um, so that wasn't great. So we had to deal with that. We had a power cut on the first night, but all of those things aside, we got we got off the mark. We got off and running, and we were incredibly popular for seven weeks before we were shut again through government rules, which is obviously hard to swallow, but necessary. Um, and we we learned a lot on those seven weeks it was tough we were busy every night because there was quite a buzz about the place guess that's yeah. just new restaurant yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah and we yeah we we made some mistakes I'm quite happy to admit that <laughs> but this, if you don't make any you never learn right so yeah, yeah, um yeah. we we made enough to learn a significant amount <laughs> before we shortened <laughs> um and, 
<laughs> Did you take uh, a bit more control of the booking scenario when you read? <laughs> yeah, <for> sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of things there. I mean, I, um, I certainly have been part of a team opening restaurants, never my own. I admire your bravery, never my own, but always for other people. Uh, and I've never opened one where I haven't had a, some sort of electrician hanging out of the kitchen ceiling or, mm. you know, some sort of flood in the toilets or a power cut, as you say. So, I mean, I think that's all fairly normal stuff. And, you know, learning, learning lessons as you go. I mean, who doesn't make mistakes? I think that's a, mm. there's a, a sort of, there's a, there's a current, you know, wave of unreality in particularly in media and social media especially of, you know, you never show people your mistakes, you never show your errors. And I think that's changing quite a lot because I think, you know, yeah. it's helpful for people to realize that that's nobody's bloody perfect. And, yeah, uh, and, and, you know, who, I mean, how humans learn, particularly, mm -hmm. I think how more creative people learn is, is literally by having a go and when it doesn't go well, adjusting and going again. So how's it going now? I think it's it's going incredibly well as, as from my point of view obviously I'm not the guest but that that the feedback is strong and and what I think is more important is that we are much much happier with with how things are it's it's taken a while to get there but we, when we first started I think I was trying to do too much of I want to give the guests what they want rather than what we want to make I yeah. think ultimately we didn't open the front lock because people needed a place to eat. We need, we, we opened it so we could create something different, something special potentially. So I think now that's, that is the case. We switched to tasting menu only in November and really from December, I'd say we're really starting to hit the heights of where I'd like us to be, which is a yeah. consistently good tasting menu that's sort of reflective of our style and where we are and what we do. And what's your ambition? I mean, have you got a, an accolade-based ambition for the place or are you just happy, comfortable, cooking what you cook and loving the response from people? I think anyone who says they don't want those accolades is potentially not telling the truth. <laughs> However, we, we, we have them. We have a secret, so not secret. They're more inward than secret. Everyone knows what they are. If you want a star that, or three rosettes or whatever... They, we have those kind of ambitions, but what's more important to me is the standard of that. So getting yeah. to those standards and keeping them consistently. And if we are awarded whatever it may be, then we'll, we'll happily take it and be overjoyed. Uh, we got two rosettes within the first sort of 10 months of trading, which was fantastic and a, a sort of a justification of the hard work, if you like. It's sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sort of it was a good one for me because i think there's always a bit of doubt around oh this guy's got a load of followers it doesn't mean he can cook well two rosette says i'm i'm at least all right so, so that's a good... <laughs> well look, i think a library of the top 50 important sources uh on your on your video uh output is you know if if, if you if you can talk to someone and, and get get past you know three basic sources and 12 mm -hmm. extensions of each one you know that at least they've got some experience of, of what they're talking about and how to make things and more importantly how to put them right when they go wrong um mm -hmm. so i certainly no no doubt from this end that you know what you're doing on a you know from a technical point of view that's for sure uh, and that's you know another thing that sort of drew me to your content um fantastic so it's not the the, the raison d'etre it's not the be all and end all to get yourself where you know but mm -hmm. but some some recognition is always nice and i i do i agree with that and i i feel there's a bit of a danger sometimes of of pointing yourself at, at a specific 
you know reward based yeah. goal sometimes because it, it can you can lose agility and and sometimes your creativity suffers so good for you yeah. good for you for riding it that way um wow all right so uh i'm yeah i'm sort of desperately looking at my diary to see if i can make up an excuse to come uh but can you i tell you what would be really great give me an idea what what's you know you if you're doing a tasting menu at the moment can you give me a rundown of it? Of it, just just give me the dish title so that we know, you know, what we're looking at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we break it up into sections. You'll probably find this quite naturally happens with tasty menus. Yeah. You trying to lead people on. So like, we start with the snacks, not canapes, because we're not French, and they are a croustard which is filled with cured sea bream at the moment, which is like a, like a chat cure. So just like a light, mild curry flavoring with a mango gel on there with some chili. So the croustard shell acts like a pop-dom almost. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we have a hash brown, because hash browns are trendy. Who doesn't love a hash brown? Um, wow. yeah, that's with, true. That's me. That's got a miso emulsion, which I've just made 10 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago. Um, with last year's wild garlic capers just on there and then we move into a sort of another pre-dinner course which is a staffordshire cheese um, custard tart which cheese is made 300 yards away and we uh, which is ideal it's like a brick pastry case with salt baked beetroot on there pickled beetroot some um, beetroot soy ketchup and then kale and more staffordshire cheese then we get into bread, which is sourdough at the moment. We make our own sourdough in-house, culture our own butter in-house. And then we move into the, the sort of meatier section of the menu, not, not physically or metaphorically. Um, <laughs> we've got a, a, a celeriac at the moment, which is compressed with soya mirin, and we serve that with a hazelnut macarney sauce. So nice. much like you sort of macarney, but we make it with hazelnut instead of cashew. Um, which has got puff wild rice on there, some pine nuts and a raisin ketchup for a little bit of sweetness. And then we move into what's probably become our signature dish, which is a, a cod loin at the moment. It's usually hate, but seasonality dictates that sometimes we switch up the cod. And we serve that with a charcoal smoked butter sauce, which is which is really, really delicious. And we, we use English wine with that as well. Nice. Their, their main or meat course at the moment is a Staffordshire lamb rump with juice macho, black garlic and uh, salsify and then a, a discarded vermouth for sauce with uh, green peppercorn. And then we go into the sweet section. We have a cheese course optional, which is a Tumworth like rabbit at the moment, which is really nice. And then Very nice. The yeah. last course is rhubarb because we're we're February, aren't we? Right. So it's yeah. rhubarb yeah. from the Tomlinsons, and it's a rhubarb with brown. It's a tart like a rhubarb custard tart almost with the brown sugar and thyme pastry, uh, and that's got a whey and buttermilk ice cream. That's that's pretty much it for us at the moment. Well, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but I think I, I think I can just about cope with taking my way through that menu. You know, uh, sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds great. And I think you know, it's it's not a meal you want to eat every day, is it? But I think that you know, for a celebratory evening or a real luxurious sort of treaty lunch, that sounds sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I think that's given us a good idea of where you're headed with the restaurant. Um, <laughs> Let's see if we can find out a bit more about 
what you change about the world of food. Are you are you familiar with the concept of the Madam's Cast? Basically, we we step through a virtual vortex into a world that's identical to the one in which we operate normally, except yeah. that it's more malleable instantly. So we'll talk about some of the reasons that things are the way they are, and we'll examine the things you want to change. However, they do change automatically within that world. Unfortunately, we have to leave that world at the end and come back to a world where perhaps things are less than ideal. But, you know, that's that's life. And so the idea is for us to generate some conversation around those topics uh, and see where that leads us. It doesn't have to get to a conclusion. We don't have to know the answers. We don't have to find the fixes in the real world. We're just setting some ambitions and looking at the reasons for them. Um, does that feel like a comfortable vortex for you to hold my hand and join me as we step through? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of this. Fantastic. Right. Okay. No fancy sound effects here. That's it. We're in. Tom Bateman from the Flintlock, as well as an uh, you know Instagram rising star. Can you please give us the first thing that you would like to change about the world of food? So, first thing, TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor <laughs> and review sites. Like... And review sites in general, not just TripAdvisor. That, like, I have good reviews, and it's still it's still a problem for me because what what I don't like is that anyone you could literally just open your phone while we're talking and leave me a one star review for no reason whatsoever. So yeah. I don't really understand that. So what what my proposal would be is that if you want to leave reviews absolutely fine but you have to commit to giving your full name and having a photo of yourself on your profile so people can yeah. identify you as that reviewer because i think people hide behind you know just the fact that it's easy it's much easier than saying to the person in the restaurant like this is this hasn't been quite right or whatever and 99 times out of 100 if someone says to us oh there was, this was this wasn't right for whatever reason, even if we don't completely agree, we will do yeah. something to make that person feel better about their experience, right? So it that should negate it, but no, it does not. A lot of people just feel the need to go and expose their views, which aren't always completely accurate. And, and there's no sort of comeback. You know, I know you can reply, but it's still there forever. So whether you right or wrong i think just the idea that people are of course entitled to their opinions and without TripAdvisor and other sites like that we wouldn't sometimes find a place that we were looking for if we yeah. had not been somewhere else yeah. so there's there is advantages but the idea that someone can't hide behind a fake name or a fake profile for me would would improve the way those sites operate i think yeah, yeah, it's tricky because, um, yeah, how do you qualify their foodie experience? I mean, and and how they experience something. So one of, okay, uh, one of the things that used to really get my goat uh, when I was in restaurants was when people would turn up without a booking mm -hmm. and ask for a walk in and then wait half an hour and sit down but they were hungry or should we say hangry when they arrived and we've done our best to fit them in and then you know they're complaining that there's something missing from the menu when they've gone to order it and you're like we're just doing 300 people for lunch with a fresh food offer right the reason it's run out is because it's not from the freezer 
and you wanted to come here and eat we've broken our backs to fit you in and now you're giving me grief <laughs> so there ought to be response buttons for you to cast your opinion of what type of reviewer that is is that a hangry reviewer is that a well-experienced foodie reviewer is that a balanced rational person or someone who's having a really bad week and, and i think you know that's sometimes comes across in the review they write and i find myself on whenever i'm on TripAdvisor or other similar review sites constantly trying to second guess the state of mind of the person that's <laughs> written the review. <laughs> so that makes the whole thing degenerate into a whole nightmare, quagmire of disaster anyway. So you can never really end up telling. I generally have a look at the menu and see if I fancy it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because like we've, I remember when we first started, we had a, a guy who left us a four-star review, but you know, and the reason why it wasn't a five-star review is because, I quote, my wife didn't enjoy the blinds. <laughs> what? What, what? <laughs> what do you do with that? Well, I mean, I, I'm soft furnishings mad, me. I, I sort of, I'm, I'm absolutely hopeless. I think, you know, I, I sort of fancy myself that I've got some sort of eye for interior design. And I, I probably haven't, but um, I, I sort of like to think I do. But I, that would not necessarily affect my experience of enjoyment mm. of the meal. And I, I guess, you know, there is that line to cross where you're reviewing the whole experience. Um, mm. But I mean, often your restaurant experience can be marred by other diners. And that's also not the fault of the of the um, of the hostelry in question. So, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm totally with you there. I don't I don't know how um, how we get. TripAdvisor and other review sites to amend their application process for becoming a, a reviewer. Mm. I don't know. Maybe they need some sort of badge to say they're a good reviewer or a bad reviewer. I don't know. Who knows? But luckily, in the magical world of the Madam's Cast, it doesn't matter. So what are we going to do with TripAdvisor? Are we just going to bin it off or are we going to say, you, you know, come on, let's let's fix it and make sure that it's, that it's a better thing of itself? I think they need to have a strong review of how they go about it. Ironically, they need to review how they <laughs> provide reviews because um, <laughs> you nice. can't take away the words because if someone just leaves you like a whatever star review other than a five because you'll just be happy you'll forever be wondering what was wrong so um i don't know it's a tricky one almost impossible to deal with but there needs to be some i think the only solution i've got is a name and an identity for the yeah. reviewer that's very yeah. clear yeah, because I yeah, think that'd yeah. stop the unnecessary anger, potentially. I mean, it wouldn't, but it might no, help. No, no. It'd be more embarrassing for them the next day, though. And I think, um, I think one last point on this one, perhaps before we change something else, or before you change something else. Don't let me steal your ideas. By the way, this is what happens all the time. <laughs> I start making everyone's points my own points. Um, I feel like there almost should be a two-tier system. Like if you are a a massive uh global or not even global if you're a multi-site you know less than constantly mainly changing scenario who's you know got all that going on maybe you know you ex you've got someone you're paying them to manage the TripAdvisor account you're doing all of this stuff you've got a protocol in place for coping with when it's a small independent restaurant you know they i think the people submitting the reviews sometimes forget that there's a guy a girl a person at the middle of that reading that yeah. and taking that really blooming personally yeah. because they 
been in a stainless steel box for 90 hours that week, missing their kids, um, struggling with their coffee addiction, while half the staff are off sick, the electrician's still in the roof and the bogs are flooded. And they've done their best to, to produce something wicked and you want to nitpick about it. And, and I think that, you know, that, that sort of, for me, is the answer. People need to think about the person behind the business before they start chatting. Yeah. Would agree. Oh, God. With that. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, good for you. <laughs> good for you. I like that. That's good. You agree with the point that I made that I stole off you. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> I know, you see how I'm, I'm going with this one. Fantastic. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, point one, succinctly made, very personal. I can, you know, I can, I can totally relate to it. Um, uh, uh, once asked a, <laughs> a whole board of directors to leave a meeting if they mentioned TripAdvisor again, I was going to lose my rag. <laughs> so um, so that's, uh, that's something I can certainly sympathize with. Okay, brilliant. That's done. Um, we, we flew through that one. What's number two? So number two, this is an interesting one because I have been guilty of the exact thing I'm about to whinge about myself on many occasions, but I feel I'm now in recovery of this particular affliction, and that is the unnatural behaviours of people who post videos on social media. I call it the knife scraping addiction or the <laughs> scraping problem um as i say i've been guilty of this before i admit my crimes hold my hands up and say i've i've learned and i'm a changed content creator that isn't a content creator it's a chef who just makes videos but the idea of the nerve scraping the, who does that i mean like who sits there at home with a whatever hash brown usually or something like that um, and scrapes it with a knife to prove its crispiness. It just, just doesn't happen. So no. why? And then perhaps even worse than that is the over-exaggerated tasting of the food. Like, Oh, hang on. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> I, I'm probably guilty of that at certain times uh, in front of a camera. I've definitely over-egged the pudding, probably at the behest of others. Um, <laughs> I mean, TV I, uh, may be slightly different. I could, yeah. I could potentially I allow it for that because it's it makes it more watchable potentially. <laughs> but oh, for, hang on, hang on! You're in trouble here because you're going to consume your own your own tail in a second. All right, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I think the sound thing is definitely one because I definitely. I mean, I know I hate to bring up the the whole world of the is master chef because frankly i mean i know that when tv find a good idea they keep milking that cow i get it I've, mm. I've, i sort of I'm, and i know there's huge fans out there for that program and i think when it first came out i was one of them i thought you know it's really interesting it's an insight into my industry there's a bit of you know drama here it's all quite good but they used to have i don't know who was doing it at the time but whoever they put in charge of the sound edit um, was a bit of a drum and bass freak for a start because there was sort of fairly high high beat per minute counts and sort of drum and bass going on. And then it would stop and there'd be a scrape and then a bit more chopping and some drum and bass. And I'd be like, okay, well, I can see what they've done there. The guy wants to make drum and bass tracks, but he's doing it um, using annoying chopping sounds. There's nothing more annoying than the sound of constant chopping in the kitchen. You know, it's like, apart from the, the ticket machine printing out another ticket when you just want to go home. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but yeah, so I can sort of see where that's where that's come from and the over exaggerated thing. Okay, what we what are you gonna call this? You've got to, you've got to, you got you need to encapsulate sure. this. What, what how can I group it together? 
because I almost feel like it's you know I've I've gained traction by doing the exact same thing that I'm now demonising. So it's Tom, it's, it's okay, mate. Listen, don't give yourself too much of a hard time, right? Everybody, without exception, is a hypocrite. Okay. <laughs> Okay, there's no, that's one of the fundamental facts of life that unfortunately is true. Um, I complain about stuff that I've done, you know, and people change. That's part of life. You move on and you would no longer do the things that your younger self did. Uh, and maybe, you know, in 20 years time, the stuff you're doing now, you'll look back on and go, oh, God, why did I do that? Or why didn't <laughs> I stick with what I was doing when I was younger? That was clearly brilliant. So, you know, your viewpoint changes, society changes, all of those things. So stop giving yourself a hard time about it. What is it that annoys you about it? Is it just endless repetitiveness of the same thing? I think I think it is, yeah. I think it's just that complete sort of dominance of... I mean, you see it a lot on social media. That's, I think that's the thing. And everyone tends to follow the same tracks because they see it's successful. Yeah. When people ask me for advice on like how to, 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 to gain an audience, first... First point is always like give information. If you're not giving information, then people won't follow. It's not. It's as simple as that. It's just. Yeah. It's not. Entertain- even like if your information is entertainment, if you are showing someone something that's um, entertaining, but you've got some kind of information built into it, then you're winning. It all ends up. So there's that. But then I always say to people now, it's like just. Don't just be yourself. Don't try and do the same thing as everybody else because you just get lost. And there's so many of the same things. Like, I mean, we're, we're just off the back of Pancake Day when we're talking about this. This, uh, How many pancakes did I see yesterday? It was just, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know because I saw after the first five or six pancake recipes and they were starting to get pretty bizarre, I can tell you, which I don't mind. I don't mind a bizarre pancake. I've eaten pancakes all over, you know, various different continents and they have, everyone's got a version of them and they're oh, yeah, tremendous, lovely. Thank you very much. Don't need to see them all in one day. Frankly, I want lemon and sugar and a good old fashioned flour, egg and milk pancake. That's what yeah. I want. I don't need any influence from anyone else. Thank you very much. Uh, fresh lemon lines, none of your jiff nonsense. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I've interrupted again. Carry on. No, that's, that's fine. I think actually the only, just through sheer stubbornness, the only likes that I gave out for pancakes, not that like I'm the beholder of likes and I give them out like. <laughs> I like that. I'm <laughs> oh, no. benevolent god of, of insta likes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I, I, the genuine, when you get one from me, it's genuine. I don't just like for the sake of it. And um, I think yesterday, the vast majority of the billions of pancakes I saw were. The lemon and sugar was just earned so much respect. I was just like, yeah, because that's what what is really what it's about. Just have one yeah. of them, or or several, if that's your thing. So yeah, that was I was quick on the trigger to like that. But yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I didn't see anyone trying to scrape a pancake. I th- I, <laughs> there was potential, like if someone had done something a bit more interesting, like gone a bit off piste and done like. I don't know, spring onion pancakes or whatever, and they could have scraped them. But yeah, there was a. It was quite a calm day for the knife scraping yesterday. It seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No overamplified knife scraping. Although I suppose potentially, if you lived in a house with a shallow ceiling, you could have scraped the pancake off the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, that could have been, <laughs> that could have been. 
a real sort of twist of uh, the scrape. I, I do like that, actually. That had given me great joy to, albeit at someone else's <laughs> misfortune. <laughs> You're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to wait a year, Insta followers. But believe you me, that's coming. Just for Tom's benefit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this yeah, year we'll be scraping pancakes off all sorts of different surfaces. Now, okay, well, I'm gonna have that. But I want to add one thing to your list of dislikes about those videos, and then we can generalise them. And we're gonna call it. Um, if you're happy with your item being called "ending uh, overdone cliches in cooking videos," yeah, 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 you can live with that as a title. Um, what is it? Right? What is it with plastic gloves, which are A, bad for the environment, B, you know, actually quite lazy in terms of hygiene. Washing your hands is is is, is probably more effective. Forward, isn't it? Yeah. And also quite a yeah, quite a basic skill. But particularly the black ones that make you it's as if you've dipped your hands in some sort of liquid bin bag. It yeah, is the I'm... most unappetizing situation. Yeah. All it says it's to me yeah. is poo bag. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Tim, but you're not a real barbecue pit master unless you wear black gloves. <laughs> that's, no, that's, uh, that's the thing, apparently. Also, that's all just passed like, me by. Why is everyone wearing tattoo artist gloves to make food with? <laughs> like, I just, it's, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you, you, you're right. I just wash my hands. Like, but so, someone, I get comments like that randomly tiktok is a is it's the real sort of um <laughs> breeding ground for the ridiculous comment although there is everywhere but tiktok is where you get the, the higher okay. higher yield of uh, ridiculous comments and you get things like why aren't you wearing gloves like do you wear gloves to make your own tea because like it seems weird to yeah. me <laughs> why, yeah. why would yeah. Just just making some pasta for my lunch, bro. Why why do I need to wear gloves? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's something quite tactile about the, the you know, the process of making something to eat. You know, it's like when you dress a salad, you've got to do that in a bowl with your fingers, you know. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, when you're if you're picking through boiled pig's head to make a terrine, you know, you need you need that level of that part of that touch experience is part of the process of making it. You're learning something there, you're extrapolating some data. I mean, I don't want to go as far as you know as 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 drawing any other comparisons to um, to things you might cover with rubber. But I think there's a there's a level of tactility there that's required, and and it's sort of I mean, if you've got a nasty cut on your hand and there's a decent hygiene reason for doing it, cool, crack on, you know, I, I get that. But yeah, I think there's something a bit odd about the idea of not being able to touch your food. It's like people who won't unwrap a chicken to cook it. It's like, well, don't eat the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. I've stolen your point. Um, excellent. So, congratulations. Uh, you, <laughs> in one short interview so far, I got rid of TripAdvisor in its current format and <laughs> lots of things that annoy me about chef videos on Instagram. So, <laughs> happy days. Um, I'm not, I haven't taken the plunge with TikTok. Is that a recommendation or is it? Um, just, I mean, it? I, I, yes, a sad blow my own trumpet. I've done fairly well with it and it's just, it's, to be honest, someone said something to me the other day, and um, I won't use the language he did, but it was quite funny. He's just he just said I sleep soundly at night, knowing that I'm a bigger one of those than all the people who send me ridiculous comments. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. Um, but TikTok is um, wild country; it really is. Okay. Yeah, like you can gain big traction very, very quickly, which is what happened to me. I think a year ago um, 
Yeah, it was in March last year. We did sort of we uh, he did a review of like where I was up to with socials and had just passed a hundred thousand followers on TikTok, and I was like, wow, that's that's amazing those kind of yeah. numbers. And then then four months later, it was one point two million. It's like <laughs> so that's wow. how quickly it can it can grow, and it's just sort of if you can get a a hook that really works. Mine sort of gained a lot of speed through making British pub classic food. Mm -hmm. I think because the wider world's got a great interest in that and then and then you get the wild comments like, you know, Britain can't make food and all that, which is utterly yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah, an interesting subject words. matter as well, isn't it? Because it, it, so many great British pubs fall short on that. You know, they, they they try to deliver something great. And, I you know, one of the things for me is like scampi. It's like, well, if you want a Creel Court Langoustine, that's, mm -hmm. two, that's two quid 50 off the boat, mate. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be selling me 10 of them in, in breadcrumb, I know for sure that <laughs> this is not yeah. the real deal going down yeah. here, you know. Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. uh, so I think, you know, I think I'm I'm quite interested in, in that stuff because I think when it's done really well, it is a great sort of class mm -hmm. of cuisine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. I think there's there's a lot of room for it, and people have made great successes out of it, right? People doing it well. Tom Carriage, for example. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's a pub, but core. So is so is the coach, and they do amazing, recognisable pub dishes. Obviously, to an incredibly high standard there, but yeah. I think yeah. there's room for. We we talked about it the other day. If we were ever going to do a second place, if we ever that make any money <laughs> we'd we'd do a pub and do all the things that you'd expect in a pub just to yeah. our standard yeah because we think that there's a big market for it but uh, yeah i don't disagree with you and uh, and you know a good pie is a is a wondrous thing there's no doubt about that um okay cool well i mean struggling to find anything to disagree with you about um i'll have to sort of make something up in a bit TikTok. <laughs> okay. okay no idea you had one and a half million followers on tiktok that's oh, it's 1.2, 1.2. Oh, sorry, 1.2, 1 1.2. I'm, I'm bigging you up unnecessarily. Um, yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Um, all right, then. Come on. You've got one last thing that you can change about the world of food in its entirety. What what, what tickles your fancy? So this one is, this is, is for, for me and also the, the, the lad, the kitchen is, is predominantly male at the moment, so lads is the term, and... Um, it's for them because they work incredibly hard to produce what we do um, and I do alongside them. And what, what it is, is the surprise fake allergy. Now, <laughs> this, is, this is for, it's almost a weekly problem for us. And we, we call, we have surprise vegetarians, which is obviously easier to deal with because like, albeit we're tasting menu, so we do that for efficiencies as well as quality so we don't buy yeah. things we don't need etc etc yeah, yeah 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 so but we we almost always have a backup of vegetarian alternative to the standard menu because we know that we're going to get people who turn up and say that they're vegetarians that surprise don't eat meat yeah um, yeah well that's cool isn't it you know people have got the choice to eat what they want and what they don't want exactly but we send out the menus a week in advance of people coming so yeah. we ask them to, to look at it. We're quite happy to change anything that they're not 100% happy with. Even if they don't like it, we'll just change yeah. it because yeah. we're customer-led. 
But what we really struggle with is when someone turns up and says, oh, I'm allergic to something you can't really be allergic to. And and we're, we're then in a, in a bit of a mess trying to run around um, and sort that out because it, if you'd have told us, we could, we'd have done your whole new menu if you'd have let us know. But telling us five minutes before you sit down is, uh, is going to be a struggle. Um, we like we had one last week or the week before, I think. Lamb is our main course at the moment, and the guy, I think it was a guy, it could have been a woman, doesn't really matter, um, said that they were allergic to lamb, which is quite rare. In fact, really rare, as I believe. I don't think that that is even. I, think, I might be wrong. So let's just say it's rare. I think and, it's the most widely eaten. Apart before chicken um, became the most the most successful. Um, a breed of animal on on the face yeah. of the planet i think lamb was the most widely eaten you know after it took over from goat lamb would have been yeah. the most widely eaten meat of all all human ancestry i would have thought mm -hmm. yeah and we obviously if when someone says that it's an allergy as well we've got to take that incredibly seriously so then sure. we have to change everything and so we then, obviously, I don't want to turn a guest away. So no. I'm running around trying to sort everything out, sort of passing off other jobs. Like, you'll have to run run the section for me while I sort this out because this guy says he's got an allergy. So I've got to remake everything from from scratch, obviously, because it doesn't come out of freezer, like you say. And mm -hmm. um, so I did. And then I felt compelled to go and speak to him because it was sort of like the last last minute thing and I wanted to make sure he was all happy with everything. And I went over to see him and he just laughed at me and said, I just don't like lamb. <laughs> like, what? Why didn't you just say that then? Did he, did he, did, is, he, is he currently buried in a shallow grave at the back of the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we just got like Wallace and Gromit showing the sheep playing on on, on repeat glued <laughs> to his face <laughs> no he's not um, that sort of goes back to the point that we were making with the the review situation as well because I think you know if let's say he wasn't a happy gay lucky guy and it hadn't come clean at the end and hadn't caused you all that unnecessary stress by just simply telling the truth in the first place but Let's say that you failed to be able to look after him and he was a member of a big party and he wasn't satisfied with his meal and then goes online and gives you a bad review. All because he's failed to read the menu in advance and not told you that basically, I'm really sorry, but I don't like lamb. Could I possibly have pork, beef, mushroom, yeah. chicken, whatever it is? Um, you know, that's generating a from what would, what should be an exceptional example of brilliant customer service, like telling people what they're going to eat in advance, making sure that they've got an opportunity to change that, going out of your way to individually create them a dish that's suitable for them to, to, in, in respect of their allergies, you know, separate cutlery, all the stuff you have to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, you've set out to do the best possible customer service you could and through no fault of your own, that's that's turned into a negative experience. And then they give you a bad review about it. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's a proper kick in the old, um, the old uh, fork, that one, isn't it? Yeah. It, it potentially comes around full circle. I mean, there's, I spoke to someone who, who will remain nameless for the, yeah. for the next thing I'm about to say, but they, I was sort of talking about this as a challenge and sort of asked them how they deal with it because they're also a, a restaurant owner. And they said, well, really, we used to do what you do. We bent, we bent our backs and, and 
did everything to accommodate everyone. And then one day we just decided that we're probably going to have to just take a couple of bad reviews and then people will realize that we don't do it. So that's, that's yeah. essentially what happened. And, um, I'd, I'd, I'm not brave enough to do that. I'd rather just make it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, cause you want to give the customer the best possible experience, but sometimes they don't help if they don't tell you what they don't, <laughs> don't like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And I, and yeah, it's just rude, isn't it? And, and, and actually it's disrespectful to people who do have an allergy. Mm-hmm. who are usually incredibly nice about it yes, and yeah, always yeah. sort of a little bit embarrassed and it's like well you need to be embarrassed it's just a thing isn't it you know yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and definitely the restaurant world has changed I mean goodness me I remember when uh, I mean you were you probably weren't alive but back in the bad old days um, you know someone would come in and they'd be like oh it's, I'm vegetarian and you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. All right, take the lumps of meat out, but you're just saying stop. <laughs> you know, and then I was kind of, that wasn't right. And there was definitely an anti, you know, it was an anti-vegetarian thing in kitchens. And that's, that's as far as I'm aware, that's all gone, right? You know, the, the new yeah, brave yeah. new world is much more grown up about all of this stuff. And it's totally more, it's way more respectful of people's food choices. But an allergy is a very specific thing. It's a life-threatening, potentially, situation. Mm. To pretend you've got an allergy when you haven't, yeah, is you know it's a bit like um, parking in a disabled space. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Hang on, that's right. I made that. I've made that sound like <laughs> uh, badly. That has gone badly. That's my own. Well, I'm going to get emails about that. But that's a bad analogy. But um, for want of a better one, I'll go with it. You know, it's 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 sort of claiming something that isn't isn't yours you know and and that's not that's not good that's not good because it could breed complacency and then ultimately end it end up in someone who has got an allergy um you know not getting the level of care put into their meal that they need yeah and that's it. a tragedy you know yeah crying wolf isn't it really essentially and it's just yeah, yeah we we do everything we can to to cover off that because it's obviously incredibly serious and um, we've got family members who, who have that kind of problem and and you just can't take it for granted so like say someone just surprising you with with one that isn't necessarily true is is a, is a problem potentially yeah i'm with you 100 percent. yeah that's a definite change um great well i well do you know we get all sorts of different takes here at the madam's cast i don't know why i'm saying we i think it's because there's so many different people and opinions alive inside my head at once but um at the madam's cast I have had a lot of people, you know, come on and we get different takes. And the reason that I leave the brief so wide, change what you want about the world of food, is it leaves the ability for the person coming on to go in the direction that they want to go. Um, so often I'll get chat about sustainability. We'll end up going down a wormhole about grass growing this or blah, blah, blah. And actually sometimes someone will come on and it's just, you know, everything's hilarious from start to finish and they, they've got a lighthearted take on things. And I really like yours. It's quite a nice strong chef industry view here this is a really nice sort of snapshot of of what's bugging you in your life and and that tells us a lot about you and i I really like it so thanks very much for raising those points and changing them in your ideal world (laughs) how many days a week how many days a week do you open the restaurant uh so we're wednesday through sunday we do six services um wednesday thursday friday evening saturday sunday lunch and saturday evening um so um 
we get a couple of days off, but we're we're busy at the moment, so it's it's fairly full on. Um, and like everybody, I haven't got enough chefs. So, um, oh, yeah. well, when I was at college, uh, Casement College, um, I, won't, I won't tell you when that was. But when I was there, we were talking about that problem then, and mm. the industry has been very slow to respond on things like pay and conditions and all of that stuff. Um, and I think ultimately the only answer to recruitment is to be better than everybody else and people will yeah. find you. Because mm -hmm. yeah, you're right, there, sure. are no, there are no chefs out there. And ultimately, you know, there's a limit to how much training you can do with every single member of staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we pride ourselves on giving people opportunity, but when you, it's, it's a vicious, vicious circle because you got, you need to give more time to give more training, but then you lose time when you're trying to produce a high-end product. So it's 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 tricky. We we want to develop from within and bring in young commies and apprentices, but then takes away the time that we've got ourselves as a small team. So we we've we're just gonna have to sort of bite the bullet at some point and and go down that line and just be like, well, we'll have to do I'd rather do last covers and, and keep things ticking and evolving. Um, otherwise it'll just stay as we are forever and we're not moving forward so we've yeah. got to bring people in and yeah you do need to build that way. recruitment strategy otherwise you'll you'll still be having the same chat in five years time mm. um that's that's a definite well look i mean i think you know uh, are you actively recruiting now i mean let's let's use madam's cast if possible and tell people <laughs> in the in the staffordshire area that you're looking for talented individuals we we are actually yeah we've we've we're looking for a new chef to party ideally um even the junior sue if they've got the right kind of experience so and we're always on the lookout for good front of house staff um looking for bar team members and everything at the moment so we 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 have plenty of opportunity for sure yeah <laughs> like everyone else in the industry yeah, yeah, like you could just take your pick on yeah i mean being a very good chef looking to move jobs must be pretty straightforward at the moment you'd imagine maybe i should just like not have the restaurant maybe it should just be a chef but uh but no i couldn't do that but yeah no it's... no you see so you're knackered now you can't ever work for anyone else ever again yeah. <laughs> yeah true yeah yeah that's my thing now i'm freelance so i've been freelance for over a decade now and i just the the very thought of someone else telling me what to do now i'm just like no yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm rubbish at being told off as well. I'm, yeah, I wasn't very good at it, even when I had to keep a job. So <laughs> that was a, that was a problem. Oh, brilliant! Well, okay, well, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave the malleable world of the madam's cast behind, and there's a nice way out of the um, the brilliant chit chat that we've had so far. Uh, you get three final jobs to do. You get to choose a food okay. book that you couldn't live without. Yeah. Um, you get to choose a drink to sup on while you're perusing it. And you get to nominate someone as a future guest of the Madam's cast. So they don't have to come on, let's be clear. I don't turn up in a black van with a roll of gaffer tape and a shotgun. Uh, it's not that kind of MO. But, you know, what, what, what are your three parting shots, if you will? So uh, the book was tricky because... Yeah, it's like, impossible, isn't it? Yeah, really, really difficult. Cause you, you, I always have tried, like ebb and flow with ones that I, I like a lot at the moment, and or or would read more than others. 
in terms of inspiration. But I think the sensible choice was to go down the lines of a real cornerstone of, of cooking. So I went for the complete Rebuchon, the Joel okay. Rebuchon book, which I think it's one of those books, it's a bit like um, La Russe Gastronomique, where yeah. if you just need to know something or you want to find the base of something classic mm-hmm. that you can then evolve, it's it's perfect for that. You know, if you want to make, like I'm doing sauces at the moment, if on social media, if you want to find like a core recipe for a Bernays, then the root... Um, the Rebuchon is ideal for that and they're, they're like fail safe recipes because they're just deep rooted in classical French technique I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing to read even if Great. you're trying to do like amazing stuff just you've set yourself up you've set yourself up badly for a test here though unfortunately so um, <laughs> so, so 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 you 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 chose uh, a tarragon derivative of an emulsified hot butter sauce classically known as a hollandaise. Can you give me a couple of other derivatives, please? Uh, so there's Charon. That's that's along those lines, right? And then yeah. a, a Bernays would be along those lines. <laughs> you yeah. get the book and flick through it. <laughs> no, no, no cheating, no cheating. Uh, no, got, you, you can have special points if you can give me one more. Oh, uh, let's, let's think. Oh, get I'm really on the spot now. Uh, I know what a git. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there's, uh, there's a there's a hot box sauce, Beirouge. There's a Beirouge. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, then I'm, my mind's drifting into like. Yeah, no, no, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. I'll let you off. Two that, <laughs> two that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some showing off now. So two that are sticking in my head would be a sauce Maltese, which is a blood orange addition to a hollandaise, and then I think a sauce Mousseline is whipped cream folded through a through a hollandaise. Oh, yeah, yeah. I only I only remember that because it was so long ago. I mean, they were trendy sources when I was training, um, you know, which will give you some sort of hint as to how long ago that was. Um, what are you going to drink while you're reading this fantastic tone full of joyous, wondrous things? See, I was I was going to be like, oh, well, because I, I love red wine, right? That's that's okay. one of my favourite things to drink. But then it's like if there was if there was one thing I could drink with it, I'd probably say a pint of Guinness. Oh, oh, what a good choice. It's just, it's so straight because I was like, well, you could have, you know, it'd be quite classic once you have a glass of Bordeaux whilst I read the Rebuchon, but that feels like it would drift away from me. I think a part of Guinness brings it back into the realms of what I'm actually like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, uh, sort of, I worry a bit about the food industry sort of worshipping too too carefully at the altar of consistency because you know ultimately you end up with mcdonald's if you do that but Mm. um i think the pint of guinness is a wondrous thing because if you're ever feeling a little bit at sea or a bit lost in life you wander into a hostelry and have yourself a pint of gimbo you know exactly where you are you know Mm. it's, it's sort of it's a constant in life um uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. That's a great choice, and a, a choice that we've not had before. So I'm I'm liking that. Um, who are you going to nominate? This was again tricky. It's like, well, who do I want to hear more from? I think. Um, so like, I think I went for Marco in the end. Marco, uh, Pierre White. Mr. Pierre White. Yeah, yeah. because 
the man terrifies me and fascinates me in equal measure. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to meet him and spend some time with him a while ago at some random cheese thing. And um, he, like I say, terrifying, fascinating, mesmerizing. I was just like, this guy is, is I, I could listen to him all day long, even though what he's actually saying doesn't really, there's not a lot in there. It's just like, <laughs> yes. seemingly a, a catalogue of catchphrases, but he, he I was yeah very interested to hear his stories and how he views them now as well. So I'd like to hear more from on that basis. He's a man of presence, that's for mm. sure. And my my abiding memories. I, so he'd finished sort of cooking in his own kitchens by the time I was working in one of them. Um, and mm. uh, uh, but I do have a couple of abiding memories. And one one is the underlying terror the second that he arrived in the building. <laughs> Just sort of you would know someone would come running out of the and go, Marcus here, and we'd already know because you'd be like there'd be a disruption in the force, and you'd be like, yeah. oh. <laughs> so we all knew anyway. Um, and and. But, at the time, I was working in a, uh, an underground restaurant uh, in Knightsbridge, just off Yeoman's Row. And at the time, Marco was quite heavily into his game bird shooting. And so mm -hmm. one of my abiding memories of him is literally hurling uh, arm loads of partridge at me out of the boot <laughs> of his Range Rover, uh, which, which would miraculously find them way, their way onto the rotisserie uh, later in the week. And, um, yeah. and, and, and the other one was him furiously tearing his part. He turned up. I mean, it's his restaurant, right? He can do what he liked. But he turned up very late for Sunday lunch unannounced with some guests as we were about to you know, literally close the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, and we were like, right, okay, he's going to want Sunday lunch, so we need to make this happen. And a really nice, um, really nice guy called Russell, who was on the, the Chef de Cuisine pass, if you like, that day. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at each other going, how are we going to do I'm not sure how we're going to do this. So we got some ribeye steaks and we kind of, we cobbled <laughs> together roast beef. We made some, you know, we revamped some roast potatoes. And it was okay. It was okay. You know, it was a pretty good, you know, we had some good gravy. It was a really nice roast lunch. Don't get me wrong. But Marco, of course, was like, well, they're taking a ribeye steak and sliced it thin ways here. I'm going to absolutely. And he just went absolutely hell for leather at, at Russell, who was just like, <laughs> well, okay, I don't really know what to say because we didn't have an hour and a half to roast you a rib of beef, you know, and let it rest <laughs> and everything else. So he very kindly said, no, Marco, no, Marco, I'm not trying to make you look like a, whatever it is you've just said to me. And, and we, were all just, we were all just sort of quiet and embarrassed about it until he wandered off. But it was, it was, it was just, it was fundamentally astonishing. But um, yeah, I, I, he is definitely a character of the food world uh, about whom there is some mystery and presence. So yeah, I can, <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to come on my podcast, but we can always ask. Oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. Okay, well, okay. Lastly, then, last thing from you before you go, and huge thanks from me for coming on. I know how busy uh, chef life can be, and um, I really appreciate you taking just over an hour out of it to come and have a chat with me for no particular reason other than than to have a natter and, and and moan about a few things. So that's brilliant, and there should be more of that in the world. Can you? Tell us how we follow you on your various platforms so that anyone who's not familiar can find you. Yeah, of course. So we, you can find me and the restaurant on Instagram. So my handle, I believe, is the technical term. Nice. Is, uh, at Chef Tom Bateman. Now I'm one of those edgy guys who spells Tom with a H. So it's Chef Tom Bateman with a H. Uh, and the at Flintlock Chettleton. And the same for, for TikTok if you feel like delving into wild country you'll find me <laughs> the same name on there as well 
and you can read through the comments and, and have yourself a wonderful, entertaining time. People telling me that I can't cook. Brilliant. Love it. Okay. Well, you know, that's it. Thanks very much. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll immediately get onto Marco somehow and see if, <laughs> see if he, he'll deign to utter some profanity at me across the, the internet. Um, you've been an absolutely tip-top guest on the Madden's cast, Tom. Thank you so much. And the next time I'm in Staffordshire, I'm going out of my way. Yes, because I can't find you. That's a definite. Um, mate, thanks very much. All the best. Thank you very see you much. around. Cheers. Thanks, Tim. Yes, buddy. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.